Welcome to the Revenue Engine Podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Santa Elena, and I am thrilled to bring you the most inspirational stories from revenue generators, innovators, and disruptors, revenue leaders in sales, in marketing, and of course, in operations. Together, we will unpack everything that optimizes and powers the revenue engine. Are you ready? Let's get to it. As a two-time founder and CEO, Nick Monfilio knows what it takes to build a company. So what are the lessons learned? Nick shares three things that he knows to be important. One, build the right team for the stage you're in. Two, build a great product that solves a real problem. And three, make sure you have an initial TAM and a path to TAM expansion that will help you build a big business. Then he says that the rest is all about trying to enjoy the journey with minimal stress while riding the line between confident and paranoid. Having a background in engineering, operations, product, and development, Nick shares more of his experience, learnings, and a ton of insights in our discussion. Take a listen as we dive deep into not only his expertise, but we talk about the all-important topic of data. So, so excited to be here today with Nick Bonfilio, currently the co-founder and CEO of Syncery. Nick has had such an interesting professional journey through engineering, operations, product, and development, as well as being a founder, author, and CEO. So I'm super excited to dive in. For those of you who may not be familiar with Syncery, Syncery is taking a data-first approach to data integration, automation, and management. Their data platform not only uniforms, scores, and cleans data, but then ensures that this comprehensive data is available in all of the different systems and kept aligned and in sync. So welcome, Nick, and thank you for joining me. I'm super excited to learn more about your journey. Awesome. Thanks, Rosalind, and uh, it's happy to be here, and thank you for having me on the show. That's great. So you have had such a comprehensive professional journey, right? Starting on engineering, you've done DevOps, and then into product. So can you share uh, more about your career journey and maybe, you know, how it led to Marketo and then to founding Syncree? And if yeah. there are any, you know, maybe some of the key milestones or major events that kind of pushed you forward? I mean, uh, look, I've been around for a long time. I'm an old guy compared to other people. <laughs> in company. So uh, the best thing I could say here is, you know, my entire career in general has prepared me for SaaS. I've been, an, you know, an engineer back before the internet was even created and uh, or uh, was popular. And uh, and I'm now, you know, been in SaaS businesses with the exception of a small stint at Lucasfilm. I've been in SaaS software businesses my whole career. And I've seen, uh, I have a balanced perspective on, uh, you know, what works and what didn't work and why. And uh, this sort of helps me to, I guess, see uh, signs a little bit earlier than most. And so, yeah, I guess the best way to say it is my whole career up until this point has prepared me for this role. That's awesome. So when you think about, you know, Syncury and being a founder and CEO, you know, what are some of the lessons learned from that experience? Yeah, I, I, I kind of uh, boil this down to like three really important things um, that, that 
I've learned as a second time uh, founder and uh, and also doing the things I've done my whole career is that one and probably the most important thing is to essentially build the right team for the right stage you're in. I mean, if you try to mm. over gyrate to too experience at a you know at a seed stage, for example, or uh, you know not enough experience when you're at some advanced stage, it's just not going to work. So it's really hiring the right team for the right stage you are is probably the number one most important thing. Obviously, second is uh, you know having a great product because I'm a product guy. I have to say that, but it really <laughs> has to be a great product that solves a real problem. So make sure you're not just building a product because you can, and that you're actually building a problem, a product that solves a real problem that people are having that would want to pay you money to solve. And then lastly, I, I think uh, what happens is when you're starting out, you have to enter into a market in a particular way. So you have an initial TAM that you're going after, but you really, really have to have the path to TAM expansion in the back of your mind the whole time in order to go build a big business. So you can't just you know rest on one part of your TAM. You have to continue to think about where am I going to go next before you get there and uh, make sure you're preparing yourself to go take on that TAM expansion when the right time comes. So the, the rest of it to me is, uh, you know, it's hard to say, but it's try to enjoy the journey uh, with yeah. as minimal stress as possible because it is, it is hard. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it's not, not for everyone, but you know, and you know, as a job as a CEO is, I like to think of it as, you know, writing the line between ultimate confidence and uh, ultimate paranoia. So somewhere between <laughs> there is kind of where you tend to run. Um, but that's, yeah, that's, that's how I characterize it. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Syncury, right? And as you mentioned, you know, kind of oftentimes, you know, I think you're trying to solve a problem, right? So I think a mm -hmm. lot of businesses start with that. Founders are trying to solve a problem. And data is often a very big, if not the biggest, problem, I would say, for businesses. So how did the idea start? You know, what was oh. the vision you had, right, when you first started the business two years ago? Yeah, well, after seven years at Marketo, one of the things I realized is that data was becoming a huge issue and the way people were using the product. Um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Marketo, but we have yeah. batch campaigns that let you run all kinds of different things against your your data. And a lot of people are running these, you know, one-time batch campaigns that do simple change data values and all kinds of different things in their mm -hmm. data. And I started seeing that and people were asking us for like data hygiene, kind of how do you solve for this and that and the other thing in, in, in their data model. And um, what happened was I went to lunch uh, with a CFO friend of mine and that person who's probably well known to you guys is uh, uh, was just bitterly complaining essentially about the state of data and the companies that he sits on the board of, you know, uh, Marketing comes in with a set of numbers that doesn't match what uh, sales is talking about, <laughs> match what finance is talking about. And somehow we're all in the same room talking about different sets of numbers and different sets of metrics and um, and things like that without there being any tie uh, across them. And it made me start to think about what was going on in the world uh, with data and why in 2019 companies were still struggling with data. I mean, it's fair mm -hmm. to say that you know, we spent the last 15 years in the SaaS explosion and then we started inventing APIs and everybody thinks of this problem as just a simple integration problem like we have for the last 15 years. But the reality of what's going on is that people really want interoperability across their stack. They want their, essentially their business to operate mm -hmm. in a cohesive motion that they're going through to support their customer journey. And so this is what we set off to do. It's not about just workflow. It's not just about 
um, all, you know, uh, the data itself, but it's about making sure that you have the right data in the right place at the right time uh, as, as it comes up. And so out of curiosity, I just started researching this problem and realized that you know, the things that came before us, the IPASS, the MDMs, the CDPs of the world, were never really envisioned to solve the data management issues that companies mm. were struggling with at that point. And so and, and when we looked at uh, what that was going to entail to solve it, it required a complete rethinking of how systems are um, stitched together in order to interoperate. Got it. Got it. Wow. So as you've started, though, to build out the company, right, you're bringing on a ton of amazing customers. I saw uh, Greenhouse, yeah. LogDNA, ServiceMax, and I saw Dremio on your on your customer list, too, who I love, Billy Bosworth, uh, by the way. Yeah. He was like the best CEO I've ever worked for. And apparently my dog thinks so, too. <laughs> go ahead and close that door. Um, and tons of other companies, right? So, you know, what have you seen? Um, what have you been seeing sort of in, from your customers and what are some of those key learnings and even in talking to prospects as well? Like, has anything surprised you or sort of changed the way that you're approaching the market? Um, I, th I think the interesting surprise is that, that as we were doing the research and the initial, um, you know, product market fit for the, for the product is that nearly everyone we spoke to uh, had complained about siloed data management problems and data quality mm -hmm. issues across the board. So, which is great for us. But I think the other key learning is that, um, you know, a lot of these customers have different requirements when it comes to their own individual stacks and their distinct go-to-market motions that they happen to be doing. And so this um, is how we ended up essentially with the platform we have was how do we create a flexible no-code platform in order to support mm -hmm. the go-to-market motions of, you know, all these different combinations of systems as well as the go-to-market motions of each individual company and you know that's why we came up with this uh you know essentially this pioneering of this data automation category which we feel we've built the right platform to make it adaptable to every business to control sort of the the data destiny that they happen to be on uh, for themselves so those are the kind of key insights we saw we, we never run into people that say yeah my data is perfect you know <laughs> Move on, you know, it's like, yeah, my data is bad. I've been trying to fix it various different ways a lot, uh, several times. How is you, how are you going to solve this problem that no one else has solved? And it's a great opportunity. It says, well, you know, let us show you. And, you know, it's, it, it works for us when people say like, yeah, I don't believe that you can do this. And then immediately moves into a demo. They see the platform and go like, oh, wow, this is not like anything I've seen before. <laughs> and uh, I can see how this is going to be highly relevant to, solving not just my immediate problem, but then they start thinking about all these other issues that are happening in their businesses that something like Syncery can help them with. And it, it you know, as a product guy, and I think they're speaking for all the product guys and engineering guys out there, the thing that fuels us the most is when we hit on something that really solves a real problem for people and, and they want to use it to try and solve their problem. And the, the feedback we're getting right now is that uh, this has been really great for them. That's awesome. That's so awesome. I know that the technology is just getting so complex and trying to manage yeah. the data, you know, within so many different systems and keep them in sync and aligned. It's, it's a mammoth, mammoth, op, you know, opportunity, not just opportunity, but challenge for everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, I think about 
you know, the desire and the requirements, and the need, right, for data, right, just continues to blow up ex exponentially. Um, it's not the, you know, it's not even just the data, right, per se, it's all the insights, the analytics, the predictability for go to market teams, right, that good data en enables, right, revenue teams really can't be successful without it. So what are some of the, you know, some of the, the mistakes or really the no-nos, right, that you have seen companies make when approaching yeah. their data strategy? You know, we're, we're seeing this in a few uh, prospects and customers. I think the biggest number one no-no is the absence of a real strategy. Um, yeah. Because in the absence of a real strategy for what it is you're trying to do with your data, it gives away to one specific person sort of taking the reign and defining you know, their version mm -hmm. of what they think you want to get done. And that's what we see happening in a lot of organizations. I'm not saying that it's wrong. It's just that that was that person's interpretation of what was going on with the lack of a real strategy. So I think number one is make sure that you've got um, a real strategy for your data. Uh, and we can talk more about that in a little bit. But, um, you know, other no-nos, um, you know, I, I've seen is overly complex CDP inf environments that people try to mm. stitch together um, using multiple tech stacks to do their integrations. I mean, I, I think I just recently wrote a LinkedIn post about, you know, reverse ETL, forward ETL. <laughs> Uh, transformation through DBT, a data warehouse, and all of this stuff all stuck together to try and fix your data, and it's just not gonna not gonna yield the right solution for people. And 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 the most important thing is, people start thinking about moving their departmental data out to something else to try and make it cleaner or accessible. Mm -hmm. When where you really need the data and the insights, which are different than just the data, um, is is in the departmental systems where you already have the business logic to take action on that data. And so right. whenever I see uh, people trying to move data off to the side or treat the data in the data warehouse as the source of truth, leaving their departmental systems without a source of truth is what the implication is there. It just just seems like it's a complete backwards way of thinking. And, you know, the, the example I tend to use here a lot is that, you know, having account insights in your data warehouse is is essentially like being able to, you know, to, to use a CRM and marketing and customer success systems that makes um, that insight useful while you're actually running your business. And what we see happening is like, I mean, I don't know how you operate. When was the last time you said, I'm going to log out of my CRM system and I'm going to go to the data warehouse to go see what the real truth <laughs> is. I mean, it, right. it just doesn't work that way. And so when you think of it as that problem, it's just not the right way to solve it. Makes a lot of sense. You know, as um, I guess as data continues to play sort of a more and more critical role, like what have you seen in the market in terms of trends, right? And do you have any predictions for sort of where you think data is headed, especially when it comes to revenue? Mm, yeah, I mean, look, there's been an explosion of SaaS. We all know this over the last 10 to 15 years. And like, mm -hmm. I, like I said earlier, um, trying to get these systems to uh, interoperate is really what is becoming the growth trend that I see happening. And first of all, SaaS systems and data warehouses are not going to go away. It's just mm -hmm. what do you need to make these siloed systems up, you know, work in tandem together for the business that you're trying to run across the entire organization? And that's what we think is um, changing in people's minds. It's, not, it's no longer just important to say, I need this piece of data to exist over there. It's, you know, I need that data to exist over there at the right time. And it needs to be the truthful data. I need to know that it's governed by the system that's supposedly responsible for this data. And a lot of the things that we did 
uh, with Syncury is about not just automation and transformation, all the things that you can do, but it's also the governance aspects of ensuring that that source of truth is maintained by the system that's truthful at that point. Uh, the way we mm -hmm. like to talk about it, Rosalind, is if I have an opportunity, you, you'll get this. If I have an opportunity that's in, uh, you know, in a particular stage before close one, certainly probably want the sales team and the RevOps team to be responsible for that opportunity at that point. But as soon as that thing hits closed one and you have some automation to automatically create an order in NetSuite that creates an invoice and tracks it at that point, you really don't want your sales team or your RevOps team for that matter to really be editing that uh, willy nilly. And so the ownership and the governance of that opportunity at that point belongs to the finance folks. So being able to just yeah. run that drill as opposed to just saying, oh, I'm going to shove this data from over here to over there, which is what we've been doing for the last 15 years, is really the thing that we're trying to bring to the table that's going to uh, change this, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of and there's a lot of governance around the data. Like we don't want this person touching it at this point in time and who needs to see it and just managing yeah. that is just it's a lot. I, I was just saying it is. And, and, and the, our unique approach is that you don't have to operate on the systems, which is why we automatically create a unified data model from automatically for their customers by the systems that they're using. We actually know the data model in Salesforce, Marketo and uh, HubSpot, all, all the systems that we support in the platform. And we're able to create a unified data model from all those systems. And so we provided people with the ability to not just um, integrate the systems as, as we did for the last 15 years, but to get them to interoperate from a unified data perspective. Meaning I have an account object that runs my business the data in that account object is X, Y, and Z, and it's stitched together from all the systems that control the different parts of the account object, if that makes sense. So being able to operate on from this unified data model perspective as opposed from a connection perspective, which we've been doing for so long, is, mm. is the change that we're trying to bring to the table. I love that. I love that. I think that's so great. Um, you know, as a go-to-market and RevOps leader, right, I think I can speak for every other ops leader when I say no one thinks their data is 100% accurate 100% of the time, right? I mean, the data may be 90% plus, you know, correct and 90% of the time, right? To me, that end state of sort of datatopia is or data nirvana, right, is when you have real-time comprehensive accurate data that's visible, it's accessible by the right, right people at the right time. And that's a yep. lot, you know, that's a lot of words. And I think yep. it's a, also a huge, huge challenge and huge, huge problem um, for teams. But I think, you know, that's the end state, right? I mean, that's where we all want to go. So, you know, for ops leaders who are listening to the podcast, how do they get there? I mean, like, what are the key things they, you know, need to do and maybe not do, right, to have consistent, accurate, and meaningful data? Yeah, I mean, uh, so one way, and, you know, which is where we're very unique and different in the in the marketplace is to scan your data for accuracy, relevancy, and quality. And so you know where you stand. You can't fix anything if you don't know where you stand. So we created something that we're calling our data fitness index that is really important for creating a continuous empirical view of your data based on rules that come out of the box from us, but also the ability to customize those rules for what does data quality mean to you. And because mm -hmm. we figured out that data quality to, you know, Clary, for example, Rosalind is very different than what data quality may be to someone else. Uh, and, and, and it changes between your leads, your contacts, your accounts, and even opportunities or other custom objects you may have that you're tracking data with. And so we really thought of it as more like 
how do we provide customers with the ability to always have a humanized view of where they really stand with their data based on how they want it to be? And so mm -hmm. this notion of our data fitness index, you can think of it as like a continuous antivirus-like scan of your data that's always presenting you with uh, a score of where your data quality stands based on where you want it to be. And so that's what we're really trying to bring to the table that's very different than just you know the integrations that came before in addition to the truly multi-directional sync capabilities that we have in the platform it's how do we humanize the data and expose the challenges that people uh, have with with their data quality at every stage of the of the customer's life, uh, journey that makes sense well i love that you call it a data fitness index that's right. That's what we call it. So it's part of our data quality studio, which is a part of Syncury's uh, platform. I love that because sometimes you know your data is wrong or it's bad, but you don't see it, right? Until yeah. until potentially it's a mistake somewhere on hopefully not like a board slide or something. But oftentimes we won't know. So having that sort of continuous scan that you can actually customize to what you believe data should look like is great. That's yep. amazing. Um, so, so maybe we could talk a little bit more about the platform then, right? So you mentioned a little bit about how Syncory can really help, but how, what other things does Syncory do to help really accelerate that end state, help us get to that datatopia sooner? Right. So the first step we just mentioned data fitness is, is measurement and understanding where you are. And so then from that point on, you can think of Syncory as a treasure chest of capabilities to help you dedupe, enrich, transform, automate, and eradicate which is one of the more important things you want to do with data uh, from all your connected systems. It's, it's, it doesn't help you to have a bunch of Gmail addresses that never pass through enrichment, that never even meet your minimum bar for engagement in hanging around your system all the time. So exposing even just that aspect of it and giving you the tools to go eradicate that data or fix the challenges with your data. So what we do is when you have uh, a data fitness on all the objects that you support, that you, know, that, that you wanted to run it for, we then point you to places in that um, in in that pipeline where you can go act on that issue. For example, let's say your phone numbers were not poorly formatted, and so they weren't always in the same format, or they weren't always um, you know consistent. Um, we can help you transform and keep your phone numbers consistent to E one sixty four format or whatever format you want. But the point is, is once you fix that piece of data and you've transformed it for the within Syncery the answer to that ends up in all your connected systems at the same time. And so mm -hmm. being able to do these operations in a central place, but then affect all the connected systems from one place is how you not only achieve good data, but ensure that that good data is getting out to every organization in your business to do, you know, be able to have the, the, the best view of what's going on. And so at the same time, um, you know, we also talk about how to include our data store um, which is essentially, we'd like to call it uh, a, a RevOps person's personal data warehouse. And <laughs> without doing anything in Syncory, we expose the ability for you to start running now reports and BI reports and whatever, point, point with your favorite BI tool at Syncory. And you now have a sort of, a, I would call it a departmental or a RevOps specific data warehouse. It doesn't require any attention from any IT, no coding or anything like that. And so we provide you with so provide you with the score, provide you with a way to fix it and get it repaired. And then we provide you with a way to report on that data and that those reports are literally an exact replica of what's going on in your operational systems. So no longer are you going to show up in one meeting with marketing thinking the number of leads is X and sales thinking they're Y and your data warehouse thinking they're Z in, mm -hmm. in the equation, which is what tends to happen 
a lot in today's infrastructures. Wow, I love that. I love the no code part too, <laughs> because every yeah. time I hear code, it's like, oh, I got to get a developer because oh. I'm definitely not a coder. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're if you're a decent marketing operations or sales ops uh, person, you should be able to use Syncery no problem. I mean, it does have require some logic knowledge, like, but if you're comfortable in Excel, I mean, that's another way to think of Syncery is a, think of a giant Excel spreadsheet on top of your unified data across the board and being able to do whatever you want with it and the answer from that ending up in uh, all, all the connected systems. That's awesome. Well, so, you know, as I, as I think about the revenue engine, right, in this podcast, you know, I always hope that others will be able to learn how to accelerate revenue growth, right, power the revenue engine. So from your perspective, you know, we talked a lot about data and a lot about things that will actually help to enable RevOps and help power mm -hmm. that revenue engine. But from your perspective, what are the top things, you know, revenue leaders should be thinking about, right, in terms of data as it relates to powering that revenue engine? Yeah, so I'll go back to developing the strategies the first thing, which means determining what are the most important pieces of data that operate, manage, and help you grow your business. And um, I and I think as part of that strategy, resisting adding too many fields all over the place <laughs> um, is something that needs to be part of that strategy and to make sure that whoever is responsible for curation of the data model is is, you know, understands that. And, you know, getting rid of anything that's not pertinent to your strategy and removing those fields is a great thing to go off and start thinking about. But, you know, I, I like to think of it as like, you know, customer journey is no different than a relay race, right? So what what is what is the most important data um, that's critical to a particular part of the customer's journey and communicating that across the business as your customer progresses through that journey? And then ensuring that that truthful data reaches the appropriate teams at the right time, essentially to take the baton. So that's how we see it. And it's not just about shoving data all over the place. It's about how do I get the right data from the right places that are the truthful places and make sure that it reaches all the other areas of my business at the right time with the most cleanly and you know consistent, accurate uh, data that I possibly can get there. And it's lastly, it's important to know I guess that, you know, key insights that you plan to glean from your business, like what, what are those or from your data? And I, I really stress that separation of what are metrics versus what are insights. Metrics are, you know, one thing, but what are the insights that you need to share across all these connected systems? The way I think of it is like, how many open P1s are there for a customer in my Zendesk? And how do I get that number to exist in my account object? and that account object that is used across my marketing success and financial systems. So I kind of know a little bit more about the health of a customer. So there's no way I'm going to go out and nurture a customer to upsell or cross sell. If I know that they're in some state where there's the sentiment of that customer is not there, they've got a bunch of P1s open or whatever those, those insights are for your business that tell you that what I would do if I knew that I had a customer that had too, too many open P1s on the account object, uh, I would probably want to nurture them to health. And so then I would probably want to put them into a cadence that nurtures that customer back to health. Have you talked to your success person? Have you, you know, you sure you're getting all the support you need? Uh, things like that in order to, so they know that, hey, you're watching, you know, where they are and that you, you're, you're, you're engaging them to get them the health as opposed to just blasting them with more upsell across them. <laughs> yeah. I love that analogy of being in a re relay race because I think that is exactly 
what it is, right? Kind of that customer journey, those handoffs between not only the teams and the people, but the data, right? The data getting to the right team and the right person at the right time. I love that. So if there was one piece of advice, right, that you would give maybe to another CEO or founder or even a revenue leader, kind of that one thing that you think made all makes all the difference, like what would that be? Hmm. Well, to revenue leaders and CEOs, um, well, I, I have a catchphrase I use all the time with my team. They, they don't really like it too much, but I'll just use that <laughs> here. Um, I, I usually just say, just try not to lose whatever you do. Like, just try not to lose. And uh, that's what I would say is the one thing. That's great. I love that. I'm going to have to use that with Scott the next time I talk to him. <laughs> Especially for <laughs> revenue leaders and CEOs, try not to lose. Is just try not to lose. <laughs> yeah, it's actually very important. So cool. So as we wrap up, you know, I always ask um, the guests, you know, I'd love to know two things, right? So one, what is the one thing about Nick that others would be surprised to learn? And two, what is the one thing that you really do want everyone to know about you? Yeah, I guess many people would probably be surprised to know that I'm an immigrant. Um, so, um, and I am, and so I'll leave it at that, but that's probably one. <laughs> <laughs> what about the one thing that you really want everyone to know about yeah, you? I, you know, I'm a certain uh, appearance on the outside. And so I, I've learned that people try to judge me by the cover of my personal book. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they really don't know that, you know, what's inside is of me is nothing like what's on the outside. And so I, I battle this continuously in my career and uh, everywhere I go where they see somebody on the outside that's not the same person on the inside. Really? I'm going to have to offline, I'm going to have to dig into that one with you because yeah. I, I see you and I think you're just so transparent, so authentic. And I just kind of like when I when we talk, I always feel like I'm, what you see is what you get. <laughs> that is true. But I mean, uh, you know, I think my size and other things <laughs> uh, come into play. <laughs> I see. Well, good. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining me, yeah. Nick, and sharing your thoughts. I think this has been, you know, incredibly helpful. I think that the t- the listeners will definitely be able to not only gain a new, fresh perspective about data and learn a little bit about Syncery, but also some things, some really useful tips. I think that they can go away and actually go and practice. So, thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you, Rosa, for having us. And uh, check us out, Syncery.com. Um, and uh, we're, we're here to answer any questions you may have about data. Thanks.